and you're very welcome to a weekly Irish League podcast called Kicking Match. My name is Peter Cinnamon and we are finally starting to have something to fill out our end of year report card. Lauren, they are champions. Tick. Glenavon, they've booked themselves a little European playoff spot. Tick. Everything's finally starting to feel pretty chill. That is, until you remember that the Swifts and the Ports are set to face off in a high-stakes relegation shootout this weekend. Cliftonville, they're now looking for a brand new manager after McLaughlin says goodbye to North Belfast and possibly driving down the Glenshian Pass every other day for work. And it just couldn't wait until the season wrapped up. The transfer rumour mill is already churning and we are going to have a hook through it all. We are hurtling towards the end of the season. Only two games that are still yet to be played, but so much has been decided already. We have brand new champions. We have historic champions. But as we head towards the final stages, we're mixing it up. Are we special one? You know what's coming on. You can hear there's something a wee bit different. We've moved down from the kicking mat HQ and we're now in the echoey cavernous surroundings of my living room. Why? Because the bedroom could not handle the size of this podcast. Because joining me is not one, but two guests. They're live in person. They are Gareth Razor. They are Connor Houston. But together, they're known as the Irish League podcasting duo, The Waffle. Hello, and boys, you're very oh, welcome. I have goosebumps after that. <laughs> that was incredible. Well, you guys have well into this game before I am. I'm just about to finish my very first season. I know lineups has changed like any great band along the way, but I had a wee hope today on your original OG podcast all the way back in June 2019. This is where I ask the very obvious question. Does it feel weird looking back? I think it's like a really nice timestamp of our lives, which which is deep. But like in June 2019, were you married? I was, yeah. Well, that shows what I know. But, <laughs> like, I wasn't married. I wasn't even engaged. I lived at home. You were babyless. Yep. And so now it's, like, a really nice timestamp. And that's what it is for us. I think it's, like, a really cool diary in the midst of the Irish League for us both to go back and listen and be like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. We're so weird. And, and you we- remember Institute wasn't the league. You know, that's that's, yeah. that's all yeah. the t- times in our lives <laughs> that we want to look back on. We'll try and get the voices get going so people kind of know who we're talking to. We want to start with Connor. Tell us a bit about yourself. Allegiances for those who might not be waffle aficionados. Um, well, greetings if you're not a waffle aficionado. My name's Connor. I love Fulham and I love the Irish League. So we'll go with that. Sweet. Um, but yeah, no, I love it. I just... I've been in London the last six or seven months and I've been truly missing the Irish League and I've been a lot of a lot of football this year but it's just not the same. And there's a little bit of juicy news that we're getting into, the current bit. Obviously for those that are going on and, and listening back to some waffle yeah. stuff, you guys took a, a bit of a break this year. You even <laughs> joked on your most recent comeback episode about how your announcement of we're going to take a chill for a while yeah. felt like a, have they just said goodbye, you know? You sent us a lovely message. Well, as well, which was so like so cute, wasn't it? It was. It was very. And nice. I was like, "This is so kind." I think you were the one that made us realize we've gone too far. <laughs> it sounded like something was really wrong. Sound, like something crazy's happened. <laughs> well, we'll come round to your big, wonderful times that are in London, and we'll jump in to Gareth. Pin your colours to the mast yeah, for, for these listeners I'm here. Gareth, and yeah, obviously a big Irish League fan. Um, love doing a bit of podcasting from time to time. 
Um, and yeah, I'm a Crusaders fan, so I, I don't shy away from it. Because, you know, I think when I first started the podcast, he, Connor will tell you, like, I was really bad with, probably quite biased, but I think oh, I've, got, so I've got a lot better now, so <laughs> I don't hold on to it too much. Well, if we were to look back in those hazy days of 2019, and we now look at ourselves in the mirror, April mm. 2023, could you imagine the little team that could, Lorne would be sitting not only top of the pile, but they've got it in the bag. They are champions, they are history makers, they are the first team outside of Belfast to take home the Gibson Cup in over 20 years. This team has been on a real journey over the past few years. Seeing them celebrate that victory against Crusaders and knowing that they've secured the trophy feels like real-life football manager to me. Uh, (laughs) And obviously the person playing it is Kenny Bruce with his investment. Look, we'll talk about how the investment and how the team building has really led them to this huge moment for them. But I must say, firstly, congratulations. And I've also got to reflect on how... We always look back at the Irish League and think it's all about tradition and these teams have been there for a while. Yes, there's been the investment, but here comes Lauren. Mm. They've shaken the apple cart and we could be looking at a very different Irish League for the next 10 years. And that just doesn't include Lauren. It could, could be anybody because back in 2019, yes, the project was rocking and rolling, but it's done incredibly well to be sitting here champions of two games to go. Yeah, no, it, it's actually awesome. And you know what, Peter? Kenny Bruce came in and was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my time frame. And they've done it, haven't they? With maybe maybe a year, maybe one more year they took. But like, there are just like, the, <laughs> I mean, I remember one of our friends and I used to go to Lauren games kind of for a bit of banter, like on a Saturday, if there was literally nothing else to do. And they were just getting spanked week in, week out by boys. Like just, and that pitch was, you know, it was like going uphill. Um, And look at it now. Like we were at Seaview on Friday night and... It's, do you know, it's just the joy that it's brought to Larn, But also I think the football in the leagues kind of changed a wee bit on the back of Larn and the professionalism on the back of Larn, And yeah, they've done very well, super well. I think for the neutral, it actually was, it was maybe a bit of a surprise because the drama wasn't there. You know, over the past several seasons of the Irish League, we are expecting drama. It sometimes goes down to the wire it hasn't happened this year and i think lauren deserves so much credit for that they got the job done they got it done in a very good manner and you know i was there on friday night watching them and they played crusader off the park they were absolutely fantastic to watch as a football team so the investment has clearly been a thing that everybody's been talking about mm-hmm. but we also see other teams the big yeah. team in east belfast they've had investment they haven't been able to hook the big one and you touched on something really interesting there connor about the way lauren have done it and how it feels like they have been the arbiters of change in this league. They push for the full time. And yes, Lauren Linfield were sniffing around it. But it felt like because they went for it, everybody else had to do mm. for it as well. And I think the way they've particularly built their team has been different. And if you wrote a big list of why they are champions, the top one for me is recruitment. They have mm. absolutely nailed recruitment. They had some tough decisions to make. We reflect on last summer on how they're saying goodbye to Ronan Hill, they're saying goodbye to David McDade, mm-hmm. how are they going to build this team up? And you have to admit, man for man, they've, they've knocked it out of the park. That mm-hmm. investment in Lee bonus mm-hmm. looks like, you know, the one. They beat the house with that deal. Yeah. They they bring in Could Miller, be, they bring, right. you know, they bring in so many other yeah. players like that who have been huge players for them. They have let go of Ben Doherty. Yeah. And who did they bring back? 
Joe Thompson, they bring in Michal Glynn. And when we look at teams like Glentoran and go, why aren't they champions? There's been a lot of factors, but one of them has been they haven't nailed recruitment the way Lauren has. Yeah, no, that's true. And even think, I'd read this week that Lauren lost their four top scorers from last season. And, you know, is there is there a team anywhere else in the world that loses their four top scorers and the next year goes and, and wins the league so so well? Leroy Miller, yeah. Leroy Miller is the guy. <laughs> like, I think that any time I've seen Lauren this season, like, he, he, he was the signing. And I think Lauren... Boldly, when they when they got all that money, they maybe did the football manager thing, like you're saying, and they went overseas. They brought in like a load of people no one had really heard of. It was like, what's going on here? Their you know their background's quite cool, but I think now going between Irish league like players who are solid and you know experimenting with with players maybe mostly from Scotland, it looks like it just is working. Like, and I think I think the dynasty's being built. I think the Lauren dynasty is here. Yeah, and I think you can even throw it back to, to Lee Bonas and um, you know, all the talk was, oh, look at the money they've spent on him, but what a wise investment. I mean, an absolutely fantastic player and he's, you know, he's certainly helped them with that, get to that league title and, you know, obviously the rumours have already started that he's probably on his way out this summer, but um, it's no surprise, you know, he could be on for better things, but, you know, it, it just when you look at the recruitment, they've, as you say, Peter, they've nailed it. They've nailed it in the head. It's a story which... Myself and others and you guys will be talking about for weeks and months and I'm sure we'll get down to the nitty gritty on how the league was won. Let's go to the Friday night and talk about the team who was also in that game. Crusaders go down to 10 men fairly early and we have to talk about this moment. The Billy Joe Burns sending off. Who wants to tell me that it was deserved? Because I don't know if we're going <laughs> to find many people. I, If I was Crusaders fan, I would be furious because that red card really put the idea of this game as a contest completely to bed it was one of those that at the time i seen it i thought i've clearly missed something here because how on earth is that a red card i've went home and i've watched it back two or three times and i thought that is such a poor poor decision um i actually thought at the time i thought billy joe was actually closer to can't even remember who threw it at, but or threw it towards, I should say. When you see it back, it actually looks worse because he's actually quite a distance away. And you know, is it even a yellow card? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's quite an interesting decision. And would you be expecting it to be overturned? My question is, what did the referee see? Because when the ball's yeah. thrown and it hits, it doesn't look like his eyes are particularly transfixed on what's going down. Obviously, you have a full team, and there'll be a report that will tell you exactly what went down. But uh, with that being said, Crusaders, another season not really being in the mix for a title. They are in the Irish Cup and potentially Balmina are going to come up. Balmina are really going to look for revenge in that game. Recently, Stephen Baxter celebrated 900 games mm-hmm. as manager. How much is on the line, do you feel, in that game in the Irish Cup? Because a lot of people feel that might be a givey for the Crews and I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's huge and I think they don't want to repeat of last year. It went right to the wire and, you know, Balmain on the day were by far the better team. But we, but we all know here that that's not how football works. Um, so they'll, they'll be looking probably to try and get that game wrapped up early. But as you say, Balmain have been a completely different team when it comes to the, the Cup this year mm-hmm. um, compared to the league. But um, I think as well for, for the Crews this season, one of, one of the things has been the away form's just been, you know, difficult i was looking at the way the way points taken and the home points taken so far this season so as it stands the crews actually have the most points at home 
and the least points away of the top six. So it's it's quite an interesting um, just to see the inconsistencies there. It's funny you mention that because I have that table right in front of me. And uh, <laughs> Crusaders are top of the league when you consider the home table from 19 games. They have 47 points. Lauren would be second there, only playing 17 games with mm. 40. So regardless if they win those two games... Uh, Crusaders would still be top of that table but if we're to look at Crusaders away form they're all the way down 7th below even Glenavon away from home only the 4 wins uh, 7 draws and 6 losses the draws are absolutely key there I know some of them will be against some of the top teams and I've, I've talked for endless hours in this podcast about how many draws there seems to be between top 6 teams but when we think about this summer and if there's going to be European money for Crusaders to try and attack and go for this again, we all know what's going to be sitting on the board. It's we need to improve our away form and we need to start winning against these bottom six sides. That must be so frustrating when you're getting these big results against the Linfields and then going and messing it up against Carrick or something like that. And it wasn't just those one-offs. It seemed to happen time and time again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there'll be a lot of change in that cruise team. I imagine we've we've spoken about this that like the cruise team is a lot older than other teams, and I don't know where a lot of the, like they're they're unbelievable players throughout that team, and like Irish league legends, and they'll go down as Irish league legends. So many of them, but I don't like. I would love to see if we could fast forward four years from now, how many of those cruise players are actually still in that cruise team, but they're doing the business like you're both saying, like in the Irish Cup, you know, and in the league at home, decent. It's funny you say that, and I know over the next few weeks I'm going to get into how these teams will try and build their teams for next season, particularly in the shadow of Lorne and how they do things. But you actually look at that top six. Um, you talked about a dynasty there for, for Lorne. I think if you're taking bets on who's going to be champions next season, I think Lorne are significant favourites because mm-hmm. Linfield are a team completely in flux. You'd almost argue, actually, this season was what we saw in the second half of last season that just continued on and they they didn't address the issues there. And that's a team that's going to have a lot of changeover. Glensorn, it's the same thing. You go, well, they've brought in a lot of players, but how are they going to work things out? And is it just going to be another case of throw a load of players away and try and bring other players in to try and mm-hmm. fix this? Or are they going to take a breath and settle themselves? I feel like they're right now poised to be the closest challengers because Crusaders, as you said, we don't know if they'll be able to hold on. How many more seasons at a top level will we see Heatley? Will we see BJ Burns? Players like that. Even Philip Laurie, who's had an incredible season. 20, yeah. 20 goals. You're going to have to guarantee him to get 20 goals again if you're looking to push on. So they will have a lot of questions. And look, they didn't bring in a lot of players last season during the summer. So it might almost be uh, two summers in once this mm-hmm. summer when they're going to try and deal with that. And then you get... To Cliftonville. News broke on Monday night. Paddy McLaughlin has parted ways with the club. He had been there for four years. By the time this podcast is out, there may be confirmation on where his destination may be. A lot of talk in the papers and online that he may be eyeing up the assistant manager's job at Derry City, his hometown club, a club that he, you know, he followed, and that is such a blow for Cliftonville. Because it feels like this is the end of this two-year journey that they've been on. The, the journey that well, they came so close last year. The end of this season, as it's all gone wrong, the wheels have really fallen off. And now they're sitting in fourth place. Second ain't going to happen. And they've still got to fight for Europe. And they're going to be doing it without Paddy McLaughlin. 
Seems like the worst time he could possibly go. Reflecting on Paddy McLaughlin's time, he wasn't able to bring the big one to Solitude, but I think looking back on him, we'll, we'll think of him as a really progressive manager, a manager who brought a lot of attacking ideas and really was able to steady the ship after a few bumpy years there in North Belfast and in Cliftonville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think credit for Paddy. I, I think if you look at that Cliftonville team right now, most of those players walk into any of the teams in the league. They are just a fantastic bunch. Um, and for a part-time club to have players of that magnitude playing for them, it's quite impressive. And, you know, Paddy deserves all the credit for that because he, he brought those players together and assembled that team. And um, I suppose the, the disappointment will be maybe last year not just getting to the to the trophy uh, or the Gibson Cup, sorry. I, I think everyone sort of thought this season, well, can they go one better? But it kind of... Towards the end, as you've said, it's it's kind of petered away a bit, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But I think with two games to go, I'm a bit surprised that he's he's gone now and not waited. Um, but maybe that's just the way it works sometimes. He's brought in though lads like Johnny Addis, who wasn't really getting much game time for Balamina, but last season was like what was he player of the year? Or like he was certainly in the team of the year. Like he yeah. was awesome. Chris Lowe as well was good for Dungannon, and he's made him into a player. Uh, Colin Coates as well yeah. like there's loads of lads that he's brought to the club and that maybe other teams they've fallen out of favour and certainly I think of last year like Cliftonville conceded very very few goals I think that's maybe been one of the issues this year but we were talking about Paddy on the way here and we were like if someone offers you you know kind of your dream job closer to home you know you'd, would you not take it like I mean if it was if it was my job I'd be like yeah let's go like so I think also there's a relationship there where when you know this is where you're going to move on to mm. and perhaps you felt as though you've taken this club as far as you can go and and you know that you've got a lot of upheaval or change this summer to try and rectify the way this season has went. Perhaps when your heart's already gone, mm-hmm. it's better just to move on and go, right, we've had a poor run of form, the players kind of know what's going to go down, let's change it up, let's put somebody in there that at least could be a part of the future of this club. Let's look forward, not back. And like it's all about those players on the pitch at the end of the day. There's going to be some continuity between now and the end of the season. And perhaps when you look back at this season, you'll go, well, look, we had a really big starlet in Sean Murray who could be helpful mm-hmm. if he's a chip that moves on that could reinvest into the club. And perhaps you just have players who really bled out of their skins the season before and it's not less of a decline it's just more of a evening out and perhaps they'll they'll push on and and, and rectify that next season but part-time they've done brilliantly but this league's cutthroat Mm -hmm. and Europe is going to be vital like any team we're talking about in the top six Europe can really change things up because if you don't get Europe you don't get that investment and all of a sudden the people around you you're hoping that they you don't have the same slippage it's like they they can make mistakes and you can't and for Paddy I'm sure anybody involved in the club everybody involved in the league all the best and, and good luck with that it's obviously a personal and a career choice there and for Cliftonville, they lose against Glentor and they're going to be, unless Glentor yeah. or somebody able to sneak their way into second, which there'd have to be a big swing for that to happen, they'll likely have to face them again. So, yes, they've been on this poor run, but they can't let this potentially ruin next season for them. We've talked a bit about Glentor and about how 
Look, they started this season so, so well. They looked like champions-elect after 10 games. You thought, you know what? They've built up so much head of steam and they're, they're looking so good and the players are so unbelievable. They can lose a few games, draw a few games here and they're probably going to be all right. But they were caught and they were the ones that drove themselves off the road. And as much as they are building up a bit of steam now towards the end of the season... They will go in, I think, with confidence into this split, into this, well, European playoff, because they're the team in form. And when you're in form and you need these big games, you need big-time players, and the hottest player on that pitch is Bobby Burns. He can score from anywhere. They're all quite similar, but what a rocket of a shot he has. Yeah, he was awesome. The Glens actually were awesome. We were there on um, on Saturday, and it, it could, honestly, in the first half, it could have been my five or six um and they they looked really good i haven't actually seen the glens in a while and i think if you hadn't watched much irish league and then you watch them you'd be like are these the guys like challenging because they look awesome and you're right like the momentum is there completely for them they were a wee bit maybe unfortunate with some results recently but they have just been their season's been so weird like they were on fire and then i tweeted the glens are going to win the league and then that coincided with a run of defeats and it all falling apart unrelated but yeah they're, they're looking really really good and junior you were saying that guy junior looks really good <laughs> yeah yeah it was um no no i think the i think the glens i think what what happened last season with the the irish cup and it, it became an off-field distraction they went into the split and their form just dipped completely this season we kind of seen a similar thing happen where off the field uh incidents or Oh, I don't know what you would say, but just things you would see in the papers, the talk around the club. It was, and it was that McMenamin tackle up oh, in Coleraine. Yeah, that yeah. felt like the moment it all started to slip. All of a sudden, they they lose to Cliftonville. It's the it's the first loss of that season, and and they and they wobble. They were out there. They were without such a main player for them. They they couldn't find themselves. The the big games are coming thick and fast. And I think they've recovered. And look, if they get Europe, they'll be like, yeah. whoa, we got away with that one. Mm-hmm. So all eyes on them. And you're right, they've refreshed things with, with Junior. He's a real strong, power-running presence for them. But you just never know with them and how it's going to go. But before we, we leave this, we'll talk about Clippenville. When you go through all the managers in the league and beyond, and you think, who is going to fill this post? There's no real obvious candidates you can kind of pick managers from other teams that are lower in the league mm. a lot of talk seems to be that it might be a promotion from within i think and the, what do i know but i think talk of the grant mccann's or or whatever yeah. i think is i think he is a manager of of a higher level if he comes into part-time football happy days i still think cliftonville is one of the premier jobs and they do have a great squad. How much will stay there with McLaughlin? Mm. Even we don't know. And I think they've also got a real balance issue to address. And they're not going to be a team that has lots of money to throw about. But they've recruited well in the past. Who that's going to be, I don't think there's anybody that's that's really clear. Some out, outside the box people might be someone like Andrew Waterworth. But then what's his mm. budget situation? You almost look at people like that's behind the scenes at Lauren. Think. With, Gary Everton want to move across, or is he like, I'm I'm sweet, I'm a part of this project mm-hmm. right here, right now. So I'm fascinated. I think whoever gets named, I'll be like, wow, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming. You know, lo- there's a lot of momentum, I think, within fans behind giving somebody like Mark Mark Smith a go. And look, 
if you're reflecting on other clubs, it's hard to look back and remember the early days of Owen Kearney or Stephen Baxter or even Gary Hamilton. These were not people who had this incredible pedigree that had won the league six times with a Dundella. You know, mm-hmm. they were coming in often with very little experience. And yeah, it didn't start brilliant for all of them, but they were given a go and they were able to build themselves up. And, and they're some of the most respected managers in the league. And perhaps this could be the start of something brilliant, but it might take a bit of patience mm. and it might just be a, a fallow year for, for Cliftonville. It, it's, it, that is going to be a fascinating who pops up there. It's true. I think the, the problem is, if it is like the likes of Mark Smith or somebody, they come in and there's automatic pressure of Europe. 100%. Do you know what I mean? You have the hottest take though. This is an exclusive. Who this man yeah, thinks? Just a thought, but you know, is David Jeffrey thinking this time of Balamina might be coming to an end? He's already spoke of it this season. Would that be a something that you could see happening? It's very bold, but I don't know. I don't. I think this year nothing can really surprise any of us. Um, Mick, it, say Mick. Mick will get it. He's he's got his wonderful job <laughs> out there doing his own his own thing. For me, I I, I saw that news coming for Paddy, but. Right now, I, I, I'm not going to see who's eventually announced. And I think it's a real interesting test now for the Cliftonville board. Mm. Do they go for what might be considered a name? Is there maybe, you know, talk of, of, of somebody within the League of Ireland moving up? They're going to have to get this right because I think with the talent pool that they have there, they've got maybe another year, two years, maybe someone want to move on. You know, you kind of have to get this right or believe in a project because like mm. we said you don't have the ability to just throw all these players out and bring new ones in again every club right now in the Irish League is struggling with recruitment <laughs> and Cliftonville could find themselves there very very easily it's it's in, in, in tender hooks really their status at the top of the league and uh, they're a club to definitely keep an eye on um, to reflect just on the final game in that uh, top half of the split Linfield sneak the win and pretty much guarantee themselves second place. There is five points between them and Glen Torn. Obviously, they would need to only get one point from the last two games. Glen Torn to win both those games and then be able to swing the goal difference, which you know could be very likely. Actually, would be guaranteed to happen if they were to win both those games. So, look, they have business to do. A, a big goal from Nal Quinn. Mm, you yeah. know, he's had a had a difficult season in his testimonial year, and lots of talk that he might not be a Linfield player next season. Look, every Linfield fan has their own hypothesis of of what went wrong. Uh, clearly, Cal Lafferty was not the answer for them. Um, but hey, those are the bricks. You roll the dice. Uh, talking about Linfield and the news that the, the rumour mill's already chugging. Potentially, Matthew Fitzpatrick is being eyed up. He's being the jewel of the eye of many clubs in that top six. Could Linfield be the team that could entice him into full-time football and give it a go? Um, I think I talked last week with the uh, boys from around the grounds and Ross, who is a Linfield fan. And I talked about how I think philosophy is going to be the key thing at Linfield, regardless if David Healy is manager there next season or not. Mm-hmm. How they approach building their team is going to be key because they have clearly spent money before, but 
never in the same way where they're bidding against other teams in the likes of a bidding war for a Shane McCartan or a Lee bonus. Um, when you look at someone like uh, Fitzpatrick, who is one of the best strikers in the league right now, scoring goals, he is not... It's easy to go and drop a whole whack of money when you're sitting there looking at a 22-year-old player like you did with Lee Bonus. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at someone like that going, right, do we have to get the checkbook out and spend potentially six figures? And you could write a list saying, here's why you shouldn't risk that. But then you should also be write a list of, this is what we have to do. If you were to sit there and be a team builder for Linfield, what do you think the answer is? Do you think they need to return to the roots of their David Jeffrey era and start picking? And look, the, the market for these players is a lot more expensive than it was back in 2012. Let's be fair, 2007 in those years. But do you think it's time to start picking the best of the league and, and start looking within the league rather than externally moving forward if they want to be lifting the Gibson Cup next I, year and the year beyond? I think the... It's interesting you said about philosophy. I, I agree with that. And I think the mindset needs to change at Linfield. This isn't the Irish League of 10, 15 years ago where you would see Linfield run away with it year after year. Um, We're looking at a league now that is increasingly... We see a gap between full-time football, part-time football. It's it's increasingly opening up. Um, but also in regards to Linfield, it's just... I just think that the, the mindset will have to shift of... Well, look at Lauren, look what they've achieved this season and you know they've just gone about their business in a really positive way and yes there's money involved but I think if Linfield want to get back there then I agree with you I think they're going to have to get the checkbook out and get get the ball rolling and could we get to a point where there's six figures being spent constantly um, possibly but do they want to retain the Gibson Cup again then they're probably going to have to do it because the other clubs are going to, going to be doing the same thing I would go for Matthew Fitzpatrick if I was in the top six just get Matthew Fitzpatrick everything else will come to you he is the answer right now he's class what's fascinating about when you look at money being spent in the Irish League Europe is the thing that Mm. really skews it because I was looking through stats in regards to the National League Notts County top of the league battling with Wrexham and their main player is a striker called Macaulay Longstaff aka the non-league Halland he was bought for 50 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a player who really is a League Two kind of player moving up. So there is a bit of, a, you know, when teams go, why are we spending this money, money? There is definitely an Irish League tax moving forward. And how they build, we'll have to sit and look back. A, a quick moment for the team that was defeated by Linfield. This Korean season, this Korean past six months, it's just been a bit bleak. When they had this optimism that, oh, we have Matthew Shevlin. Oh, we're beating top teams now. We're, we're dealing with that issue that we had against the top six. They've somewhat returned to form. They were a team who did do a lot of business in the summer. And maybe going back to the drawing board is being a bit over the top. But they clearly need to do something to change it up to get themselves different results. Yeah, they've almost looked a little bit lost in the top six this season, especially in the, the latter half. Um, Any time I've, I've seen them, uh, I think even back to the League Cup final, it was, it was pretty routine for Linfield on the day, um, which obviously is hugely disappointing to, to Korean. They've done well to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what. As you said, they've invested in the summer. They've made some very good signings. What is the issue exactly? Maybe they just need a, Maybe they just need a summer break. Who knows? I think that I suppose this is maybe slightly off topic, but like the European playoffs are going to be incredible because 
now with obviously Linfield and they've done well to solidify second but like those other four teams and potentially depending on obviously how the Irish Cup goes you know they need Europe even even to the point that maybe some of them will they stay in that top six maybe that's a bit too far but you know they need Europe to to attract players maybe to keep some players so I think that we are hurdling and this is what's class I think about the Irish League is that like it's it's not even going to be over when we think it's all over um and it's going to lead I'd imagine to the, maybe the most exciting European playoffs for sure it's just so much is on the line yeah. that, that's that's the key thing about it fellas if you want drama it's not at the top of the league right now it's the boys at the bottom that's getting the hearts racing uh, and the blood thumping right now look let's go through the games that happened that might not have a massive impact well done Glenavon they beat Newry in a game that I was at and there was a goal and there was a winner congratulations there Newry are looking really good. That win against Portadown has set it up so well for them that they look into one of these big games this weekend and they'll be clearly waving one colour uh, because they could be safe by this weekend. So, Glenavon, they've got seventh. That's great for them. Carrick, they'll be disappointed. They aren't getting seventh. But they're sitting there with 40 points, the highest total they've had. I think everybody in the top league or in absolute ages. Congratulations to Stuart King. So, at the bottom... This weekend, we'll talk about them together. Dungannon went away to Balamina, a team that has like done nothing in 12 games. Pretty much this year, they have been really, really poor unless they're playing at Seaview. That's pretty much their season. In a, in a nutshell, you then had Portadown hosting Carrick, where if results went a certain way, they're down, they're out. The feel-good Nal Curry story is over this year, and they go back. To their own drawing board. Uh, championship side drawing board. Which is, isn't just as fun. And look. They may still go there. But a huge swing. Where all of a sudden now. Dungannon lose. 2-0. Portadown win. 3-1. Two points between Portadown and Dungannon. With two games to go. And they're going to be playing each other. This weekend. Absolutely massive. What a weird season this must be to be a Portadown fan where they were like the opposite of Glentoran. They looked completely out of it and they're not there yet. But is, is it fair to say the momentum may be there with them? But they have to do something they haven't really done this season and do something away from home because they're bottom of that table. That's still currently up on my computer. Only the four points they have. One draw and... One win. Probably should be two wins there, but we'll we'll not get into that semantics. <laughs> uh, I did not make that decision. I'm sure for most people, like it has been for us, watching this, especially the past two months, this journey of Nal Curry getting this team who could barely score a goal, kicking and fighting, has been fascinating to watch from afar. Yeah, it has. And I think the big influence has been... Niall himself and who's been able to bring in. Um, you look at those players; they're they're players that are probably going to save you. And it, it's weird. Like I seen Portadown earlier on in the season, and I thought they would look lost in the championship. Never mind the the Premiership. See but- that that's a key distinction. We're on the timeline, are we? Because <laughs> you know, I, I I joked about maybe stats earlier on, and I wanted to see what difference in numbers Niall Curry has made to this yeah. team. And look, it all may end in tears, but. Before Nal Curry took charge of his first game, which was a 4-0 loss 
to Coleraine. They hadn't won a game in 11. They had one draw. They conceded 26. That's over... That's 2.5 goals a game. How many goals had they scored? Four. Oh. Four and 11. And since then, he's had 25 games in charge. They're now... From one point, they've taken it to 22. He has... It's been difficult, but at seven more wins, if you count the Nuri one, on the pitch... Three extra draws. They still lose 16. And there's not four, but there's 30 goals scored on the pitch. That's why they are where they are. Because if you flip it back to Dungannon, why are they down here at the bottom of the league and for another season? If you combine how many they conceded last season and how many they've conceded already this season, it is 167. It's almost 170 goals across two seasons. If you need to figure out why Dungannon are in this mire that they are, it's at the back. You're the stat man. I am today. That was so impressive. I am. I am today. I had a week. I had a week because Carol Vorderman. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more because you talk about goals there. Uh, the players that they brought in, you know, they say they couldn't bring in a striker. They couldn't get any strikers in the summer. They bring in Alan O'Sullivan. They bring in Cahar Friel, a real hero for them against Carrick there on Saturday. They've been without Paul McElroy, mm-hmm. who I believe is their top goal scorer for the past three games. How important could he have been in those games? Then between them, since late January, have scored 11. They've scored over a third of the entire season's goals. So, Dungannon, they're the lowest scorers in the league with 23. But we go into this game, put it on... Away from home. Dungannon can draw this game. It probably suits them a bit better. We then have this weird game where all Dungannon need to do is win and, and they're safe. But do you feel as though the current momentum of Portadown would mean their favourites against the Dungannon side who are a lot stronger at home and they're against a team who have what, barely anything away from home. Bar that, mad 4-3 they got against Nuri Portadown have got a point and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it, it's it's just hard to really think about because there is so much like there's so much happening and it's exciting because you know when you come to the end of the year and it gets a bit boring Lauren have obviously done very well but it's kind of boring as well because they've done so well that like to me this weekend Dungannon had that dream game Ballymena haven't won since January they go there and it went awfully for them and like it is literally what do you say the wheels have fallen off the apple cart and maybe oh. i've maybe joined two metaphors in one but like i i do think you're right like the momentum i feel like there's weird like neutral fans have now just like picked up with Portadown. oh absolutely it, it feels buzzing. like it feels like everyone's just enjoying enjoying the memes from now curry yeah. i know that people like the flynet boys are are mad fans the around the grounds boys are like mad fans just watching Portadown just seems to be a mad roller coaster, which has more highs than lows. The the main reason they're they're currently sitting within arm's reach is this mad run of games. How many times I feel like I've said in this podcast that this is really a must win for Portadown mm-hmm. or they're out of it, and they haven't won all of them. But if we look back in recent months, three one away. There's a trend here. Three one away at home against Glenavon. Then they have the Swifts at home. Three one again. Mad game on a Friday night. They beat Balamina at home. They then somehow get a two-goal swing to beat Nuri away from home when the whole season was would have been over by then. Now, looking back, if they hadn't 
got it crazy at the end of the game. And then 3-1 at home against Carrick. They have pulled it out of the hat. Yes, they don't win that game against Newry, which really would have benefited them if they could. But they're in a situation which they weren't in last week. It's in their hands. So they need to win, but they're away from home. Dungannon are happy with a draw, but then that's but they're at home, so maybe they can catch this team that's pushing on. I don't know who you'd rather be, a team that knows they have to win or a team that can just sit back at the 70 minutes and just just chill. I feel like the odds of a red card in this game are very high. <laughs> just because, you know, yeah. it'll be all action and, and everyone will be on their, on their toes. And that would be a shame. And the, these are not two entertaining teams when they face against other teams. But when all the chips are in the air, it, it could be fasted. And so for yourself, mm-hmm. Connor, you're, you're, you're feeling that this could be Port's time. I, I think that like this is, now if I can roll the clock back slightly, I remember Carrick v Balna Mallard on the last day of the season that Warren Point ended up going down and there was like a mad swing. And I feel like this is the kind of game that I'm going to tell my grandchildren about. That I came down to this game... And like, I don't know, maybe Niall Curry, like something happens in the last minute, he runs on topless, live streaming on Twitter, or on TikTok, he loves TikTok. Like, I just think that the most mental thing potentially could happen, or Dungannon, Dungannon could go out 3-0 three, three at half time, you're like, nah, well there we go. Like, they, yeah. they knew what they had to do. And the corner came in, and then it was an OG from Chris Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that, that feels like it would be a disappointment. Obviously, that would be brilliant for no, Dungannon. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, and I feel I feel for Dungannon here because they have been up and down and they've had that big high of the two big results against uh, Cliftonville, both in the league and in the cup. But they haven't finished just yet. And you're right, where Portadown beat Balamina, yes, it was a home. They lose to Balamina away when a point even would have helped them significantly there. We'll talk about the two goals because I think it sums up a bit of the way Dungannon have been going. The first one is they get caught trying to play the ball out. They get yeah. chased down. They lose the ball. And then Balamina just need you know two passes and, and then they can knock it into the net. And then that last one just seems like an absolute freak one. But it's exactly the type of goal that you can see from them just hoofing the ball in the air from inside their own half. That is not a moment Declan Dublin want to look back on, to be swear to say. No. It was. I always judge it by people who don't like people who don't or have no interest in the Irish league. Text me about the Irish league, which is that Kim Nelson goal. Like two different people text me. We're like, did you see this? But like, you're right. On another day, that never goes in. He just lumps it, and then poor Declan Dunn. And like Declan Dunn is a good keeper. I just think there's just been so much Adam this year, maybe. Um. So I don't know. I don't even know who who's gonna win. It's just going to be class. It, it will be an absolutely fascinating game. And whoever doesn't get out of this uh, mire, and uh, look, I think Nuri will be happy if we don't get any kind of result because that means they're safe. Hey, mm-hmm. they're rocking and rolling. But uh, one team who will be playing Premiership football next season, it's Lockall. Insert current media cliche here. They're the smallest team who's in the top flight in Europe. Can't believe there's somehow not a smaller settlement in the Fairwounds or something. But hey, um, a team who's always been high up there in the championship. Dean Smith uh, has done it for them. They're champions. I'm pretty sure it guarantees that they're going to be up. I don't know what shenanigans behind the scenes needs to happen when it comes to boring old paperwork. But congratulations to them. A long time coming, I'm sure. They've been building and building and building. And they, they finally get over the line. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to see, and I think was it two thousand seven maybe they were last up something like that. So great to see them back. It's refreshing because sometimes you know you see teams come down, come back up, 
and it kind of almost has a merry-go-round feel to it. So it's nice to have someone else come up again and uh, freshen things up, I guess. We transition into a tiny bit of news, something I said I would cover on the podcast during the week. It was an article by Keith Bailey in the Belfast Telegraph. He was talking to Jared Lawler. He was saying that he had a bit of concern about championship crowds. That was something that was a big issue uh, for Niffle saying that of the top 15 most attended teams home games, because they're finally starting to get championship attendances only one team from the championship was in there and that was arts to them being also women's premiership sides it it does it's an interesting question now because there's also a new story coming out uh, about psni and then potentially not being relegated and, and i do think as the premiership expands on and, and, and that grows themselves and look i don't think anybody is saying that the premiership should be some sort of closed shop of the most well-supported teams not at all totally against the, the the ideals of the sport of football but it will be interesting with the top division setting higher standards unfortunately teams below aren't able to not equal it but don't have the same ambition was a word that was used by Jared Lawler I'm sure it would have set a lot of people who are people who work behind the scenes in the clubs but I, I think law goals are a real key example of if they're ground is used next year in the Premiership, I, I, I'm I led to believe is up in the air. And I'm not saying you need a Premiership ground to progress up. You know, you can't grind share and all that type of stuff. But could we potentially be seeing a bit of an evolution with teams there when we move to a 12-team league? I remember this was like big, mad, mega championship with teams that we never saw again. Killy Moon Rangers were in there. Um, Cook United, you know, teams that got floated around, you know, I think it was Glebe Rangers in there at the same time. You know, teams that were, were in and about. And I, and I think, not it should be a closed shop, but I, I do think even teams lower down and, and you're probably looking at teams like Bangor Bangor and Ards and teams like that I think they clearly want ambitions to at least be sniffing around being a top tier team Dundella the Welders they're clearly looking to be up there instituting all that type of stuff and I, and I wonder will that push for people like more Ballyman Cashes to move up where if you can innovate and you can work on yourselves and, and create the infrastructure around yourselves um are you more likely to be involved? It's just interesting. There's no real key thing. We're not going to have a whole big 10-point plan of how to develop non-top-tier football in this country. But local are an interesting example, and I think they're probably a team. Look, like I said, come from the smallest settlement is the term that's being used at the minute in Europe for a top-tier team. Just because you don't come from a massive area, a massive catchment pool, doesn't mean you can't mm-hmm. play top-tier football. You're just going to have to get some boring X's and O's yeah. sorted out. I like the Ballymacash example because they're doing class in that both for the area, I think, but also like what they've built with the ground, with the stand and, and everything that's going on there. It is interesting, Pete. And I think that like it would, you know, then it leads you more to debates if you look at the top. Is there, we did a podcast last year and like the whole topic of it was around like an All-Ireland League. And does that then lead on to another conversation in that regard where you're like saying where you're restructuring everything. I don't know. We've talked a lot about restructuring things and like going back to the drawing board and stuff. It's spring is in the air. The blueprints of things moving forward. Yeah. I know, I know. It, it is kind of feels like a lot of, a lot of a moment of change. It's easy for people like us to go, yeah, do this, yeah, do that. You yeah. know, can someone just go create West Belfast FC so we can have a team there because the optics are good, <laughs> yeah. you know? You know, that that's, that, that's, that's rich. But, you know, I, I think 
Gerald Oliver makes a point of that. If you don't have floodlights, for example, yep. you know, can you be playing championship football? Um, I, I think that's a that's up to him to decide and clubs to have that open discussion. But when we are looking to move the game forward, questions like that are going to arise. And look, it's a, it's a multi-pronged approach because there has to be support, there has to be investment, there has to be funding and all those type of things. But it's we've seen where an ideas man, like this is such an unfair example, but Kenny Bruce has been able to mm-hmm. achieve on a certain level. It will be about these clubs going, yes, we want to do well on the football pitch, but if we can grow a club and we can grow a fan base and look, we're warm point. They, like they, yeah. the, the way they're able to grow themselves up and that's not even getting the semantics of how that happened. But we have seen a Balna Mallard mm. get there. We've seen warm point get there. We'll see what a, a new reborn now, Banger is, and and uh, as well as you know, Distillery are trying to to build themselves back up again. Bally McCash, how far could they rise? I think if we are keen to see the league and football in this country move forward, perhaps boring little logistics like that could be a thing. And we could see the rise of teams, as we said at the start of this podcast. We never saw Lauren being mm-hmm. champions, or it seemed like a very far away away or a pipe dream. You never know what teams could emerge and, and from what area. Let's talk about the games that are coming up. And we spent a lot of time talking about this game. And I'm now going to ask uh, these fine fellas to put their money where their mouth is, metaphorically, as in their reputation on the line. <laughs> are you going to give me a score for this Dungannon Swifts against Portadown Mega Match? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say 3-1 Portadown. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's what the stats say. So not financial <laughs> advice, but three no. one, put it on three three one. <laughs> it'll probably be a missed penalty in yeah. there. That's that's been another fixture these games. <laughs> like I said, I I just I, I don't know how that's going to go, but there will definitely be tears one way mm. or the other, won't there be? There'll be, and there's obviously two outlooks where that's put it on. And look, also it's fair to say I feel like this is weird. And I've talked about this in the pod already. How like people go, well, all board I need to do is to beat Dungana, and then sure, Glen Avon are going to roll over. Uh, don't think yeah, that's on the cards yeah. 100% not, you know you could see a situation where Bordown win they're brilliant and then they can't score past Glenavon and Dungannon still stay up and as well for either of these teams and I think technically Dungannon can actually catch Nuri so like that's what they'll be pushing for as well but even whoever finished 11th in this league they've yeah. got Warren Point yeah. a Warren Point who aren't absolutely setting the world on fire but have a lot of great players and we've all seen in two legs it could happen one way or the other. We didn't get a score from you now, Connor. Come on. No, no, I agree. Three, well, three ones. Three one. Well, but both go for three one. I'll go. Yeah. I'll go three all. He can never agree. Wow, with wow. I want three all. I think it's going to be a game of the ages, like you said. Did you say the master game? Mega game. Mega as well, game. Sorry, right, mega game. Mega game. <laughs> the mega game at, at Stangmore Park. <laughs> yeah. I want a big drone. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's, it's, I want to know how many people like neutrals will be there. I genuinely, I, yeah. I, 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 that is what's, what's going to be really interesting because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of teams who have games that don't have a lot on the line. Obviously, you have Lauren Linfield on Friday, so you know, there's a lot of fans out there. It could be, it could be fascinating, and uh, well, that's a good that's a good segue. Are <laughs> uh, Linfield going to wreck Lauren's little little party down at Inver Park on Friday? It's quite difficult to know. It depends. Well, Lauren stay strong and put a, a strong team out while they mix it up a bit you know obviously this week will be party mode for them but um i suppose it's a big night in regards to their history so they'll want to obviously get the win they're not gonna 
go thinking any, anything else. But Linfield won a sub consolidate second, so I don't know. I think maybe a draw one each, maybe. It feels a bit like the price is right. It's like, this is what you could have yeah, signed. Yeah, yeah. Come on down, Lee Bonin. Hey, Frontier, you out of contract this summer? You might be. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know? That's true. So, hey, 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 it would. Look, I don't really think. I think Lauren fans right now would take a 5 0 loss. Because if it meant they still kept the league title, you know, it won't it won't matter. Uh look, Limfield need to get it done. I, I just don't know what, what the atmosphere is gonna be like, but you know, you gotta say a jubilant Larn, a frustrated Limfield, you probably favour them. Yeah. The odd, the odds say a draw though. Remember we're talking about odds? Nil nil? Done. Oh. In the bag. <laughs> In the bag. Go go on with the odds. Uh North Belfast Derby. Uh, are we are we inserting new manager bounce or 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 assistant or whatever uh, caretaker bounce that's into this Cliftonville yeah. Crusaders game? That's what we didn't actually mention earlier on. Was I think could could this be like unbelievable timing from Paddy McLaughlin to be like right, this isn't going well, but you need a couple of wins here, so I'll leave. It'll bounce, and you're into Europe, and we're all happy. It's not going to make a meme like he's in the clouds looking down. Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. I did boys. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that. Um. I don't know. Like, do the crews? Surely the crews begin to rest, you know, through fears that by throwing the ball, any player could be suspended. And I think Cliftonville could take advantage of that anytime a, you know, if BJ, well, BJ won't be playing, but any crews player that throws a ball, you know, and gets them sent off, suspended from the final. So it's like Rivaldo 2002. You it know, is, just, yeah, just oh, that classic diff- moment. Different kind of, different kind of vibe. There's children that don't know what I'm talking about out there. I yeah. know that I've met them. They're all telling TikTok right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, strange one. These games can sometimes either lead to damp squibs or mm. mega matches. That's, <laughs> that's the risk. Like, yeah, you know, there could be a mega match. Yeah, like, like yeah, like a mega match could a th- like a, a three a three three could threaten to break out at any moment. Yeah, I know, and I don't. Well, they've been sort of like Jared Doherty's been playing a lot in nets, and they conceded three the other day, and they mm. can score goals. Uh, crews aren't very good away from home. Mega match. The still thing here is that the more fighting for is definitely home advantage. We all talk about Bard and Gannon and everything else. Like solitude was and probably still is a big, big factor for them. They'll want to make sure that Europe goes through there. If they're going to have to go in this playoff, you're going to have to beat them there to take it from them. So really big game there. Clintoran against Colerain. Colerain, like. I don't know. I, I I would say here that they will be preparing themselves for the playoff, going down to Glentoran. It's never really being a fruitful, fruitful mm-hmm. ground for them. Glens feel like they're they've got a bit of rhythm behind them. That this probably yeah. says three uh, three. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree. Yeah. No. Um. I think. Yeah. It's hard to see anything but a Glentoran win and a comfortable one at that. Um. Especially after Saturday. Uh. Just how how good they looked and back to their early days of the season I guess um, whereas Corey in it I just I just can't see them getting anything so yeah I would say maybe another 3-0 for Glenn Torrance. how many Bobby how many Bobby Burns goals oh it's a hat trick obviously we're from <laughs> 50 yards out this time just all the same <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself Connor uh, no I completely agree I think that Glenn Torrance team like Rodney just needs to keep it ticking like it nearly picks itself and we were just behind the director's box and the amount of like talent in the director's box even as well just with players who were not featured in the game like very impressive so yeah i it could be it could be more than three i don't know surely corian will begin to think about the european playoffs and 
like glands don't change anything just just keep going wrapping shevlin up in in cotton wool at yeah. that point um carrot against glenavon this could have been a big fixture in that fight for europe but uh glenavon and their amazing run recently um you know another another great victory for them another clean sheet away i mean Stuart King after that poor down game was pretty much saying uh yeah uh, some of these boys are gone <laughs> like he was furious after that result uh so this is a chance for some of these players to maybe keep their place in the team for next year could be a bit of a feisty fiery one out of nowhere but it depends if maybe Gary Hamilton starts starts wrestling these players this famous rotation that he's apparently going to be mm-hmm. doing or at least those people on the internet are saying he's going to do yeah I think to me this seems like a game that Cargill win yeah <laughs> And I, I say that because they've obviously gone poor down lost and as you said, Stuart King's comments just feels like that sort of game. You know, Glenavon, they've secured seventh. They're probably happy enough. Car tend to bounce back this season. We've we've seen it a few times. So I think I think it'll be tight enough, maybe two one Carrick. Glenavon will definitely play about six 15-year-olds. But their 15-year-olds are probably better. It. Like, they're so good. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. like six of these boys are going to be playing for Glentorn in three years, yeah. you know? So it's, it's careful you what know, they wish for. They- and they always are awesome and they just break records every time there must be one year in like the local school where everyone's like have you not played for Clan? <laughs> <laughs> like which is class so I do I do agree with yourself like I do think Carrick out of fear of Stuart King will raise their game I, I would be scared if I, was, uh, I played in that yeah. Carrick team for sure and then finally uh, Nuri versus Balamina is being played in front of a massive uh, screen showing the Dungannon against Portadown game I believe <laughs> that was uh, there'll be there'll be Nuri fans that'll be listening to the radio shouting at the boys um, yeah that, that's a weird one because ultimately look Nuri will want to win and make sure that they don't have to rely on other results to stay in this division congratulations to them that they're in this position but yes, another weird game where results elsewhere are probably the bigger factor. And Balmina will be happy. David Jeffrey has clearly been very frustrated by this run. He's not taking this lightly. That it hasn't been going well. They'll want momentum. That Nuri Showgrounds pitch is a, is a bit tricky. Um, I really couldn't call it a game either, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I don't really know. It's a hard one to call. You don't really know what Balmina are going to do, um, especially in the league. Um, if it was the cups, different story. <laughs> if but, it was a sea view, we all know. Yeah, yeah. Move it to sea view. Um, no, but uh, I don't know. Maybe a draw. I, could it even be? Could I be boring and say it'll be nil nil? Three three corner. Yeah, boring. Um, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Nuri are going to win because David Jeffrey. Does he listen to the podcast? Uh, I don't know. Probably. And he this week will hear. His, I don't have celebrity name. listeners like you guys. <laughs> we <all> don't. Right? <laughs> he will hear his name linked with the Cliftonville job. <laughs> He'll be distracted. <laughs> and then I do think Nuri will win. To be honest. I'm waiting for like, yeah. oh, did you hear rumours out there yeah, that yeah. David Jeffries linked to the... Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Fellas, I am so glad uh, to have done this. It's such a different experience. It's what Joe Rogan's like when you're chatting with somebody in front of you at a podcast. <laughs> this, has been, this has been very, Thank very you. different. I hope you guys out there listening enjoy it. This has been in the works for a while. I'm so glad it's happened. Uh, this is the point in the programme where I go... Get plug-in. I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast are well aware of the waffle, but come on, get your best sell on right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're very good at marketing uh, we, we have a much less professional podcast than this because your podcast is awesome oh, no, no no it is I'm not just saying that because we're in your house but um, and it has been such a welcome addition we we have a lot of fun doing it you know too and we don't take it very seriously so if you like lightheartedness you're more than welcome to listen to our there's podcast lots of, there's lots of flavours in the ice cream <laughs> shop where can people find this podcast uh, you find it 
probably anywhere you listen to your podcast spotify um apple podcasts or apple music i'm not even sure what it is these days but they're probably too most popular um but we're on anchor i think it's now called spotify for i know i know it's so changed. i'm not i still type yeah, in the same thing. so but if you find us on twitter all the links will be on our bio so click amazing mm. that is a, is a brilliant twitter account as well guys it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully it's the first and not the last time that we get together and eat buns and drink coffee out of your rather fine. I got myself a waffle mug. Yes. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with that. Uh, and until uh, next time, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. All best. That's it now, folks. Nothing to see here. Thank you very much for tuning in. If this was your first time with the pod, it was very nice to have you. Really appreciate it. I guess that's something we can describe as a crossover episode. We've had a few guests from other programs and podcasts, but, you know, that felt like a whole little special shebang. We had them live at my dining room table, something a wee bit different. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did like it, you know, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, if that's the place, of course, that you listen to this podcast if there's a way to follow on all music good for you i don't know how it works but you can also follow us on social media it's kicking match on instagram facebook and twitter all easy beans and of course you can enter the world of hands-free podcasting if you want to listen to us on your smart speaker just say hey smart speaker please play kicking match an irish league podcast we're gonna keep this bad boy running for as long as there is gas in the tank and right now i don't want to know what's left in there after this season all wraps up but i'm still enjoying it and it's great thanks for listening till next time i'll see you soon toodles